You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning. Now, for those of you who are here on the 2nd uh, of July, Tammy talked about trusting in God when it seems too hard. And last week, I talked about living by faith. And as we know, trust and faith are often seen as two sides to the same coin. As Tammy put it, trust is faith in action. It is active and not passive. And Tammy used this great um, illustration of a parachute, that we can have faith in a parachute and be very glad of it when it's in the plane with us. But you don't have to trust it until you step out of the plane. At this point, you put your faith into action. However, trust and faith are both tested when life is challenging. And this is what I want to explore today, dealing with life's storms. Now, at the moment, I would suggest as a family, personally, we are going through a storm. In fact, I would even say we're going through a series of storms. And some have been going on for a few years, while others are more recent. And just like real storms, they've caused damage. They've disrupted plans, caused pain, created worry and anxiety. And I'm not sharing this this morning for sympathy. But if you are also experiencing your own storms, then I want you to know this morning you are not alone. As Christians, we are not exempt from the storms of life. Jesus was quite clear on this point. He said in John 16, verses, just verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. It's quite sobering, that one, isn't it? Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. So how can we best navigate these troubles and storms and endure them and come out the other side? Well, faith and trust play a key role in dealing with life storms. In fact, I would say faith and trust are critical. And I think we find out how much we actually have when we are in the storm. We find out how much trust we have. We find out how much faith we have. When life is good and easy and simple, and I have no issues, then I don't need to depend on my faith and trust to cope and survive every day. When things are going well, actually, things are going well. And it's great, and we can praise God in those circumstances, but quite often, our faith and trust are not needed. No. I depend and rely on my faith and trust when I'm struggling, when I'm suffering, when life is hard and it's not going my way, when prayers that I'm praying are not answered in the way I want them to be. It's then that I have to put my faith in trust God more. And I believe that we really discover just how strong 
our faith and trust is when we go through those storms. So let's talk about how the disciples dealt with dealing with storms. Now we can find this story in each of the Gospels. And it comes at a moment in time when the disciples have just witnessed the miracle and they've partaken in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So they've seen Jesus do this amazing miracle and they've even helped, they've played a part in it. And if I was them, I'd imagine I would be quite chuffed, I'd be quite excited. I have just seen this amazing miracle. Life is good. Life is good. And then it says, I'm reading from Matthew verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. The New Living Translation translate that last verse, verse 24, as this. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So let's put ourselves in that scene for a moment. As I'd said, the disciples have just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus had told them to go on ahead while he dealt with the crowd. And we find the disciples in this boat a considerable distance from land. As a New Living Translation put it, they were in trouble. They've been rowing most of the night against the wind and heavy, wa heavy waves. It must have been dark and noisy and windy. And I suspect they were tired, cold, wet and full of fear. 
I wonder how that feels for us sometimes when we feel a considerable distance from land and we are in trouble. I wonder if we feel tired and fearful in those moments. Now I wonder if they wondered where Jesus was. You see, Jesus was not with them physically. They were used to him being around. We worship the risen Jesus. They worshipped and lived with the physical Jesus at this point in the gospel timeline. If he was not there, he was not there. We know Jesus is with us in every moment. They didn't have that luxury. If Jesus wasn't in the boat, Jesus wasn't in the boat. I wonder how they felt towards Jesus in that moment. I wonder if they were angry or grumbling. My first observation this morning, where and why? When things go wrong, I am full of questions. When things go wrong, I so often ask, why? Last year, I had a simple hernia operation. It was a day release, so I was meant to be in and out in one day. That bit went fine. 24 hours later, I was back in hospital, and I stayed in for the next, I think it was two or three days. And they were not fun days, let me tell you. They were not fun at all. And I was asking, why? I had plans. This wasn't meant to take this long. Why? Why? Why has this happened? When things go wrong, I will ask God, where are you? Where are you, God? You said you'd always be with me. You'd never leave me or forsake me. But in those moments, in that time in the hospital, I was a bit miffed, to be honest. And I was asking, where are you, God? The third thing I will often ask when things go wrong is, who did it? Who made this happen? Why? I'm looking for someone to blame. Did I do something wrong? Did someone cause this to happen to me? If we look at verse 22, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. Jesus had put them in this position. He put them in this very position. I wonder if they blamed him. I wonder if they were angry at him. I wonder if they were disappointed at him. I wonder if they felt this shouldn't be happening to me. I wonder if they started blaming each other. I wonder if doubts crept in. Of course, we would never feel any of those things. The reality is, though, Jesus had put them on that boat and he had told them to go on ahead. And now they're caught in a storm and he's not even there. So my first observation is being in the storm does not mean you are not where Jesus 
wants you to be. Being in the storm does not mean you are not where Jesus wants you to be. When I was in this hospital, two amazing things happened. One, being a bloke and being a bit overdramatic, I thought I was going to die. No one else did, but I did. And I was laying there feeling really rough and feeling very sorry for me. And even the consultant who came along said, you didn't look well. But I think he was like, you're fine, but you didn't look well. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. But as I was laying there, I said, you know what, Lord, if now is my time, seriously, sorry, I'm going to be really vulnerable here. If now is my time, that's okay. And I had a genuine peace about it. That was the first amazing thing that happened. The second amazing thing that happened is a particular nurse who never worked on this part of the hospital where I was came in. And I can't even tell you now how we got onto the subject of God. But it came to the point where I'd shared with him that God often spoke to me quite clearly. <laughs> and he said, well, could you pray for me? I was like, okay. I'm laying here. I'm right up to things. I was having to do things I wasn't particularly pleased with. And with no word of a lie, every couple of hours, this bloke kept coming and saying, have you heard from God yet? It was quite comical. The Lord gave me a word for him. And it totally disarmed him. It totally spoke to his situation. I could not have known this particular word, but he stopped in his tracks and turned around and looked at me and looked shocked. God had given him a very specific word. And he even said to me, maybe that's why you're here, because you needed to give me that word. There I was in a very uncomfortable, unpleasant place in a storm but maybe that was exactly where Jesus wanted me to be. If that is the case, that if we are where Jesus wants us to be, that in a strange way we can almost take comfort in the storm. We are not necessarily outside of his will. It's not necessarily because we've done something wrong. It's just where God maybe wants us to be for a purpose that we can't possibly see. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We may not understand what's going on but sometimes God doesn't want our understanding he simply wants us to trust him and have faith that he is there but in those moments we have a choice we can have faith and trust or we can panic and I want to say this morning that take comfort Jesus is with us in our storms. It is not a surprise to him. If God has allowed this, then he has a purpose and a plan. He can use it 
for good. Lord, what do you want me to learn in this situation? The challenge is, are we able to yield and surrender to God's will and trust him in the storm? My second observation is from verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water, walking on the lake. And we know from the story that it says the disciples were afraid. They were terrified. The water was whipped up by the wind and was threatening them. They were surrounded by it. They were far from shore, and I suspect they were afraid of drowning. Now, Jesus, I think, had some options here to help. He could have split the lake like the parting of the Red Sea, and simply walked across to them and said, you come back this way. He could have, from the land, stopped the wind and calmed the storm. He may have got a bigger boat and came alongside them. He didn't take any of those choices. No, he chose instead to walk on the water towards them, in the storm, in the wind. Why? Why did Jesus decide to solve the problem that way? I think Jesus wanted to demonstrate that he was master of the very thing they feared the most. He could walk on top of those waves. He could walk through the storm unaffected. He wanted them to see that he could survive in the storm unharmed and unhindered, and he was still able to come to them. He wanted to show them who he was, that he was with them, and he was with them in the storm. I think he wanted to demonstrate that he was Lord of the storm. Jesus walked on the very thing the disciples are scared of. If Jesus is Lord of the storm, then what does that mean to me, to us, in the storms? It means Jesus is able to walk over the storms in our life and come to us. Whether they're physical, emotional, financial, relational, whatever those storms are, Jesus can walk over the top of them. Jesus is not affected by the storms in our lives. Now, why is it important that Jesus can do that? I think it's important because Jesus wants to, to say, whatever storm we are facing, that he can come to us, be present with us, and help us through them. Whatever storm we are facing, know that Jesus can walk over it and be with us. My final observation, of course, has to be Peter getting out of the boat. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. That is pure Peter. 
The disciples had seen Jesus walking on the water towards them, and when they had got over their initial shock, they must have thought, we're saved. In fact, Jesus says to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And it's at this moment that Peter does something I think personally is a little crazy. He decides now is the opportunity to get out of the boat. I would suggest in the storm on the sea, I would suggest staying in the boat is the best option, not getting out of it. If I was one of the disciples, I think I'd be sitting there thinking, this will soon be over. I just need to keep rowing a little longer to keep bailing, to keep battling, because Jesus is coming. If I just keep fighting the storm, Jesus will come. But not Peter. He recognised something, I think, that was important. That the place of safety was not in the boat. The place of safety was out in the storm with Jesus. The place of safety was not waiting for Jesus to come to him. The place of safety was him going out to Jesus in the storm. How do you cope with the storms of life? If it's me, I will so often batten down the hatches and I'll try and ride it out. I'll maybe stick my head in the sand and like an ostrich put my fingers in my ears. Maybe I will try and distract myself. I'll slip into sin and feel justified for doing it. We all develop many coping strategies when life is hard. We can also pray fervently and ask others to pray and ask that God would make it stop. But sometimes the storm does not stop. And that leads then to disappointment and disillusionment and doubt. And then the worst case scenario in all of this is we rely on ourselves and our own resources to get through it. Peter had the right idea. He tackled it head on. He'd relied on the boat and he was done with the boat. Peter was not prepared to rely any more on the man-made solution to the problem which was the thing he was sitting in. He was prepared to step into the God-made solution, which was Jesus. God, the God-made solution was to step out into the storm with Jesus, to walk on top of the very thing that threatened him. He stepped out of the boat, stepped into the storm, and found Jesus ready to hold his hand. He recognised Jesus was not in the boat, but Jesus was in the storm. So in conclusion, we can't avoid the storms of life. And sometimes I think God even uses them for a purpose. And it can be hard when we try and not ask God why and where, when we look for someone to blame. But what, I can le what can I learn from this? What is your purpose in this? Help me to yield and surrender to you in this. 
it's important that we see Jesus walking over the very storms in our lives. He is the master of our storms. In storms, we can often hide or resist them. God calls us to step out in faith into them. I want to finish this morning with the second half of the verse that I mentioned, this verse of all. Jesus did say in John 16:33, in this world you will have trouble. But there's a second half to this verse. And it goes like this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yes, you will have troubles, but guess what? I have overcome them already. Amen.